Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 182. In this episode, we chat about HubSpot's landing page options in HubSpot Starter, plus much more goodness on this very special Melbourne Cup day in Australia. You're listening to HubShots, Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your sales and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Yeah, well, like you said, it's been quite a day. We watched the race that stopped the nation, didn't we? The race that stops the nation. So if you're in Australia, of course, you understand what this malarkey is. Hello to Charles. I'm sure he was having a holiday. Oh, yeah. Hey, how are you going, Charles? But yeah, for overseas listeners, they're probably, what is this Melbourne Cup? Seriously, folks, people stop all around the country to watch a bunch of horses run around a track and a lot of money, I think, is gambled and spent and all kinds of things. So anyway, there was... Bit of a Melbourne Cup do here in the office. You came over and we caught up, and there was lots of cupcakes too. So, well, there were good cupcakes. <laughs> there were some positives. <laughs> and you know what? I reckon most businesses stopped at lunchtime. So there you have it. Well, that's right. A lot of people just stop at lunchtime and then they go out drinking all afternoon and night. But uh, no, dear listeners, we are here recording hub shots for your listening pleasure. All right, Craig. So on to our growth thought of the week. Actually, growth thoughts of the week. Before we get to the TLDW, but. Did you see the news? There's two items of news related to HubSpot and it's yes. all over LinkedIn. Have they got a coordinated kind of <laughs> does someone does Brian and Damish do they just send out a company wide email? Hey, we're gonna make an announcement. Would everyone please share this on LinkedIn? Anyway, as I'm sure they do, and we'll yes. put on them because it's very effective. Can't miss this. So there are two announcements. We're not actually gonna go into them in this episode, but we just will acknowledge that uh, they were announced. The first one being HubSpot acquiring PySync. So I think PySync is almost like Zapier, but very contact-centric. Yeah, and then the other news, a bit of an integration with Canva. So for graphic design, I, I don't know what that looks like yet. I saw a button. A button, button. Yes. A button the Canva button. The Canva button. <laughs> so we'll chat about those in upcoming episodes. But yeah, just worth acknowledging them here at the start. But well, you know that, uh, that promotion about having email in HubSpot CRM? Remember that HubSpot did when they released free email in CRM? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was such a success on LinkedIn. We're following suit here, Craig. Yeah, look, it's it's worth it. And we kind of have this, this idea of pods where you'd have a group of people and you all get in and share something on social and everyone, everyone else jumps on to share it and like That's it right. and pop it up. It's like HubSpot, they're the masters at it. Well done. I'm sure there's a lesson coming very soon. All right, so tell me about TLDW, Craig. Well, had you heard of this, TLDW? Not until I read the show notes. You've probably heard of TLDR, which is Too Long Didn't Read. Well, apparently lots of people are TLDW, which is Too Long Didn't Watch, and it's what people put in comments when someone posts a video that is far too boring (laughs) and long to watch. People just replying, TLDW, you know, it's kind of like, just sum it up for me in a sentence. I couldn't be bothered watching your video. It's like, yeah, that's becoming more common. So, so what's the tip, Craig? Well, the make tip, a good summary at the start. Well, yeah, I guess keep it short and punchy, and don't just assume because you're using the video format that people will watch. Um, I guess there are other things. Always use captions and that as well as we as we know on social. But it's really just about making sure that content is actually good. There's been such a push for video, right? I runs video, video. So people are pumping out these boring as all something. <laughs> videos and people aren't watching them. So yeah, TLDW, there you go. Something to add uh, to your uh, acronym list. All right, Craig, on to HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is to do with the landing pages in HubSpot starter. 
Yes. So this came out just at the start of November. We're recording on the 5th of November. Melbourne Cup Day, by the way. Did we mention that? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, this has been out for a couple of days. And so I've put together just a few of my thoughts on it. Um, You've had a chance to play with it as well. Yes. We will dive into this deeper as we use it more of our client sites. But yeah, I thought we'd just kind of summarize kind of our takeaways so far. Yeah. And this is really, uh, it's a cut down version of landing pages. It is. It's in uh, And it is Starter. very different to the normal landing page tool in terms of it's a drag and drop, a bit like the email editor. Yeah, that's right. So, um, well, what actually, before I dive into mine, I've written a whole blog post around it, but what, what's your kind of thoughts? What's your, been your initial impressions? My initial impression is great in the perspective of, A, closing that loop of all the things that we need to get started with the business. And that's what I liked about it. Look, I haven't played with it as in-depth as you have. You know, I read your notes and I went to discover some of the things. So we'll go through this right now. So Craig, let's highlight some of the good things about the landing page tool that's in HubSpot Starter. Yeah. So some of the good things, well, first of all, it's really simple to use as you would expect. There's a good set of initial templates. It's only a small selection. We've got the screenshots yes. uh, in the show notes, uh, but they're quite good. So, for example, there are, there is ebook sign up and a thank you page. There's newsletter sign up. So there's a few of each. So that's quite good. Adding domains is really easy, and also SSL is enabled. Well, it's there by default. Correct. There is a situation if you don't use a domain, but you just use the default HubSpot domain. Uh, which is, you know, like that test kind yes. of... Um, HS dot something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't apply SSL by default. So I've got something else on the show notes to make sure you turn that on. And you might think, well, why would you do that? Surely you'd have your own domain. I actually think a good option here is there are many cases when, no, just don't need to put your domain in. And I'm surprised by the number of times I've been uh, visiting uh, someone's site and they go, oh, here, sign up. And it fires off to... Lead pages, uh, lead pages, and okay. it's a it's a you know really ugly lead pages. You people don't care, and especially on mobile, they don't care. Or coming from social, it just opens, they fill out the form. So I think there's a very good use case here for having landing pages that just just use the default HubSpot ugly URL, we'll call it, as yep. opposed to a domain. And there is simple reporting. So you see the landing page, and you get a per landing page report. You know, one thing I did like. The optimizations review. So have you got the title correctly and so on? I really yeah. thought that was good. Like I it's that is hitting on the things that we need to be looking at. Yeah. Also, you know, things. there's some nice things like, you know, the cookies setting. Yes. Which you can put in, in settings yes. to go cookies. Yep, that uh, follows through. So um, even if you've got it on your own website, it'll follow through on landing pages. They have a great little HubSpot Academy overview on it. Like this as well, you know, this is a polished release. I guess they they flagged it at inbound, so they've had a bit of time to make sure it's there. And also, uh, like simple things like a featured image is part of the settings there. So if you're sharing the landing page on social, featured image come through. Um, and then also because they've got the HubSpot ads add-on, well, like an ad that's ads well, mini add-on, mini add-on, mini, yeah. uh, well, it's the ads feature, it's ads feature within which the you tool. can get in Starter, and um, that will actually work with it as well. So. Yep. Part of that is it can insert pixels, like Facebook Pixel, uh, Google Pixel, LinkedIn Pixel, and that will work in this landing page as well. Now that does have a bit of a bit of a gotcha, which I'll get to next. But yeah, lots of good things here, and for many people, many small businesses especially, great place to this start. This is a no-brainer. If if you've got marketing starter, it's like well, just get these landing pages going. So, Correct. Yeah. 
All right. So let's talk about a couple of the average things, Craig, that you, you've been struggling with. Okay. So I've been struggling with some of the styling. I'll give you an example. Form labels. I can't actually work out how to style those on the landing page. You'll style them on the form, right? And if you were to use that form on, say, a WordPress site, it would carry the styling over. But when you use that HubSpot form on the HubSpot landing page, it inherits the styling from the landing page. Now, on the landing page itself, I can't work out actually how to, how to set the styles of the labels on forms. So I'll give you an example. They're by default white, but then on the page, I I'd actually don't have a screenshot here in the show notes, but I, one of the ones I was working on for a client, we had a dark background, so I was making all the font white, so it stands out. But I couldn't get it on the form field, so they're all black. Now, part of me says there's something obvious I'm missing, but this is just an issue I've only been playing with for a couple of days, so maybe I've missed it. But if I've missed it, then, well, you know, it's easy to miss, I guess. Maybe it's really obvious so I missed it, but that was a challenge. You can't edit head properties or meta to put meta tags in. So the our standard use case on a thank you page is always to put a no indexed meta yes. tag because you don't want Google indexing Correct. your thank you pages. That's right. Especially if it's got a download, things like that. I can't see any way to add that to the head section yes. of, of a page. That should probably be an option that someone has to tick, right? Don't want to no index this. That would be better. That would be better, yeah. And the other thing, you can't actually add, there's no widget, report widgets for adding landing pages to the main dashboard. Oh. Yeah. Now, I was expecting there would be because even with the email, you know how you yes, can send emails the email, from Australia, yes. there's some email widgets, well, they're called reports, but let's call them widgets Correct. to add to the main dashboard. You can do that for email. You can't do it for landing pages. I don't know if it's coming or it's not there yet, but yeah, yeah I right. couldn't see a way. I kind of expected that because on your dashboard, this makes it complete, right? Correct. Main dashboard. Okay, sure. It's see. all cut down. I just want to see a few oh, contacts. Yep. A bit of deal information. His email information, landing page information. That's It seemed kind of obvious, but, well, look, you're getting this for free, right? So who might have complained? But I kind of expected to, to see that. All right. Now, some of the things we need to jump over, Craig. Firstly being tracking. So often, like when we're working, we put in a Google Tag Manager tracking. So of a Tag Manager code, so we can add tracking in there. And we are unable to do this. In startup. Yeah, I find this really frustrating. And in some ways, it's a showstopper for me, for most of our clients, because our standard kit is Google Tag Manager, set up all the pixels, everything. Correct. Inserted and it's easily Google manageable. Tag. Yeah. And that includes inserting on landing pages. Now, I think for many businesses, maybe they don't, this isn't the use case they need. So maybe it's not a concern for them, but it's becoming the standard Google Tag Manager. And so HubSpot, they do have the checkbox to add Google Analytics. And there are workarounds about how you can get the pixels in using the Correct. ads yep. settings, but I just want a little. I just want to be able to add Google Tag Manager to these landing pages. I couldn't work out how to do it. I don't think you can do it. Mm. I know you contacted support, and I they did. Came, and what are they? They came up with a slight or a suggestion. We yeah, haven't. they just said to use a rich text module and put the code in there, and it won't necessarily insert at the right spot. But they pointed me to an article which I'll dig out. Which people said, you know, what happens if you do insert the tag manager code, not in the head, but in the body somewhere, right? Or in so the footer. I haven't actually had a chance to test that yet, and that Neither might that might be the workaround that might work for us. But still, can we please have it? I just HubSpot. want to. Tick, in fact, for HubSpot, I just want a tick box um, that just says insert Google Tag Manager, and you just put the tag that's manager right. code. It should be. Yeah, that's what I want. But that's pretty much my hurdles. Um, overall, I think it's very compelling. 
this is, is such a good addition. I think for many businesses, this is negates the need for a third-party landing page tool. That's right. For us, until we get this Google Tag Manager piece sorted, it, maybe we'll still continue to use it. But I'd love to get rid of all those other tools and just reduce our marketing stack even further. Yes, agreed. We're 90% there. This is so close. And yeah, well done, HubSpot. Really, yeah, really impressed. All right, Craig, on to HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is to do with CRM customizations. It says that we've been waiting for. This applies to professional and enterprise. And this gives you the ability on the contact record to customize what you can see on the contact records on those left and right columns. Now, you've got this on. I haven't actually tried this yet. And we, we did flag this a couple of episodes ago, didn't we, when we saw the announcement? Yes, so at, uh, at recording this episode, you can opt in for it. And on the 11th of November, I think it rolls out to everybody. Okay, cool. So this is... So to be honest, I haven't played with it fully. I've read some of the documentation about about it and have actually gone in. So I'll tell you one thing I did try to do because I've had customers ask me, like, we're not using the service part. Can I just delete that off there? So I actually went into this customer's account and tried it. You can't delete things out of there. So you can't delete like the entire service widget, for example. That will remain there. I can go in and change what's on it, but obviously if I'm not using it, who cares? So just be aware of that. I thought maybe I'd be able to get rid of a whole widget, but I can't. That's really interesting. So what do you, you just push it down the bottom right out of the way? No. Oh, yeah, I guess you, yes, can, you, you would, can reorder you them. You would reorder them, correct. But this will become a problem, especially with they becoming a platform. Did you know they're a platform now, Ian? Yes, so, we, yeah. are a, we are a platform we're company, a platform. <laughs> So basically you're going to have more and more of these integrations. That's my point. So correct. your totally. sidebars are going to get very crowded. I guess this new customizing the layout is a step in that direction where you will actually be able to hide them all together. I would imagine that's coming down the track. Exactly. And I think that's what we would want to see to make life easier. All right, Craig, we've got the go the extra of the week. And that is e-signatures being available in HubSpot Sales Professional. So we tried this out. I must say that was a very good experience. (laughs) It is, isn't it? Yeah, it was very slick and seamless. And good on HubSpot for this because I feel in the past they've released some stuff and I felt, oh, this wasn't quite ready. They've rushed this out. Yes. This is not one of them. And lately, and well, we've just well, talked about landing pages. This has been an enterprise. It has been rolled out. Oh, is it the exact same enterprise it's functionality? It's exactly the same oh, enterprise functionality. Oh, well, that would explain it. Right. Oh, actually, I thought they had um, brought it down and actually limited it a bit. But no, totally. No, oh, it's okay. just been brought down from enterprise into professional. So okay. this is a well, feature no, that's been there in HubSpot Enterprise for well over a year, I think. Okay, well, no wonder it's so seamless then because it, it's really good, isn't yes, it? Yes, and it is powered by HelloSign, just so you're aware. That's how it happens. And so we did a test internally to ourselves. And one of, there was an interesting feature in there about countersigning, right? So that there was actually yeah. being able to choose who could, had to countersign that quote. And it was a great experience. So you did the signature on your desktop trying to use a mouse. That was a very, very tactful. Oh, yeah. And that was a beautiful signature. It I was. And then I actually used the feature in there where you could actually take a picture of your signature on your phone and you could email that picture into HelloSign and it was waiting for it because it had a unique ID in the subject. And then it picked it, picked it up and then you could edit it or cut it up, rotate it, et cetera, clean it up and then add it to the as your signature, which I thought was fantastic. All right. So one of the things I liked is how 
when I went to sign, it made me verify my identity by sending me an email, which I had to then verify. Correct. Uh, was that a, a setting that you chose or that's no, just No, that is fun- the standard mode of operation. Okay. Well, the reason I ask, because I've signed plenty of things that were hello sign enabled forms and I've never had that before. So I was wondering if that was a new... So I suspect that is a default setting that they've enabled. I was really impressed with that. And yeah. I think it's something that we're just going to keep using more and more. Get those signatures on there, Craig. And and again, so people have asked me this before. Once people have accepted the quote, are they able to download it or is it a web-based only quote? There is an option to print and there is an option to download it as a PDF. Yeah, and the download includes the full history and everything. It does. It gives you the IP addresses of when, when you signed it and what time and the IP address mark. All right. Marketing tip of the week, Craig. Did you know it's illegal to sell fake followers and likes? Right. So there's always been this problem in the industry of buying likes, buying followers. It's like buying friends, isn't it, Craig? It's, well, it's buying I'm friends checking. that you don't actually know. And everyone kind of frowns on it and says they don't do it. And of course, everyone does it. And I'm talking about US politicians and things like that, right? Yes. Okay. So we've all known about this problem. Well, now it's actually illegal. So it's not as though it's just frowned upon and people get called out of it. It's actually illegal. Yes. So the FTC has ruled. Yeah, which this. is a good thing. And I think I I think this is a good uh, sign. I'm assuming this will go through to other countries as well. But yeah, just a sign of the times, I think, when something becomes that problematic that there needs to be government stepping in intervention to make it illegal. I think that's interesting. I'd love to see some of the court cases that come out when people will be charged and this will be tested and things like that. But just another, I guess, sign that authenticity is not only the way you should go, but it, there's almost, yeah, criminal ramifications if you don't. Yeah, and look, I'll I'll say this from a perspective. I've had a few people come to me and say, hey, look, you know, we're getting, we've got heaps of, uh, we're working with someone, we've got heaps of followers on Instagram, for example, but we don't seem to get much engagement. And then when you d- dig a little bit further, you find that they've actually bought followers and likes and therefore they're not engaged. Like they're just not real people. Well, there's this whole argument to be made for it around social proof. And I'll, I'll happily admit I've tested this way back when it started years ago. I was buying thousands of um, fans and, and likes on accounts. I was just testing it to see how it goes. And definitely there was a social proof element there. And of course there are no engagement or anything like that. So totally worthless. Wasn't even driving uh, traffic or anything. Completely fake. Yes. But it certainly gives the appearance of credibility. If you are only doing fake likes and fake followers, sure, it's very obvious. But when you blend it in with actually a real community, you're basically accelerating or giving the appearance of accelerated growth. So that's the way it could have been used, I guess, um, well. In conjunction. Yeah. And so the fact that they're ruling that out and saying, well, you know, any form of that is 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 now legal. I, th- I think that's a good thing. Um, in our next you know, shot, we're going to kind of talk about the general, I guess, side effects of social overall. But yeah, I, th- I, I think this is just the way it, it's all around authenticity. You've really got to aim for that now. All right. Which leads us on to our Inside of the Week, Craig. Twitter bans political ads. All right. So this was big news last week that Twitter is banning all kinds of political advertising from, I think it's later in November, like 22nd of November onwards. So this puts a lot of pressure, and the reason this was such good timing from Twitter, well done, masterfully played, was because Facebook is under a lot of fire for this lately. 
And I think it was just into the Facebook earnings call when Twitter announced it. It's, it's just gold. It's just, uh, anyway. And we've got uh, elections coming up next year. Yeah, well, that's right. And so now the pressure's on Facebook. Will they do it? And, well, let's assume they do. I kind of, well, I don't know. You kind of feel like they're going to follow, They, right? they kind of have to in some ways, but money speaks out of the words and their earnings call has shown massive increase. So advertisers don't care, right? People don't seem to care. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen. Anyway, it just raised for me this idea again of as an agency and as a marketer and perhaps listeners as marketers and well, other agencies, how do you feel about putting money into a platform, I'm thinking mainly of Facebook, but applies to all the social platforms, especially applies to Google, giving them money, okay, to drive results for your clients on a platform that you are increasingly uncomfortable with. And I'm increasingly uncomfortable with Facebook. And back in episode 151, which is a while ago now, we, we actually discussed this idea of would you advertise on cigarette packs? Yes. And I was kind of being overly dramatic at the time, but I kind of feel the example still holds a very addictive and potentially harmful product that you advertise on to get results for your clients. And so I'm, I have this ongoing conflict and I think the reason I mention it is because I know other marketers, this is nagging or niggling at them. And I think we're going to see some kind of change in behavior with many marketers maybe rethinking how they spend their dollars and I'm actually rethinking our agency, how we position our agency. I actually want to pull back from pay, doing paid. We do so much paid advertising for our clients because it gets such good results, right? Yes. You can't deny that. You, it's paid Absolutely. to play. It's paid to play. Yeah, you have to, to do it, right? And I know there are a few companies, Databox is one, that hasn't done any paid. And, well, they've done a very strong content plan. But I kind of feel like, well, imagine if they'd done paid, they would have grown heaps better. I don't know. You know, I can't say they've been very successful. But there will be exceptions to the rule. But... As a general, most companies, they have to pay to play. Um, they have to pay Facebook and they get results. And so I'm increasingly uncomfortable with this. I'm like, how do I do this as an agency? And perhaps listener as, listeners as a marketer, how do you do this and feel right about it? So that's an interesting thing, Craig. So how, did, how does that differ from, say, people that used to pay tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to Yellow Pages to advertise their business? Or did that on TV? Well, I think it's the difference between the users because there is there's a case, a strong case to be made that particular platforms, Facebook, Google, are harmful in the sense that they're addictive and they also propagate information in a bubble that might just reinforce biases that are not helpful and could be therefore harmful to others that are excluded or, or biased against, discriminated, et cetera. I don't want to go into that here. Let's just assume that that's possible and that's true. If that is, do I want to be part of that platform? Now, yellow pages, not addictive, not harmful. Extortionate, maybe. Yes. Uh, and other avenues. Even t- television, you could say in some ways- Possibly addictive. Possibly addictive, but quite highly regulated. Well, especially in Australia. Yes. And there are codes of conduct and Correct. all those kinds of things. I'm not sure of the case in other countries. Maybe the US is more lax, but as certainly in European uh, countries, there's a lot more um, regulation around what can mm. be shown. And yes. there's almost a protection of the people. So I feel it's different and I feel the social platforms are different. So that's probably my response to there. And so it does need greater thought and oversight. And ultimately, we're putting money. We're giving money to them. 
And you know, I I'm a Facebook shareholder. I I, I stand to gain from this yes. as well. So it, I, I, anyway, my point is I'm conflicted. And the reason I'm raising it on the show and will continue to raise it is because I think a lot of marketers are becoming conflicted about this. It needs more discussion. Now, there was an interesting podcast on, was it Recode? Oh, re- Pivot. Pivot, yeah, sorry. Who, where Scott Galloway actually was talking about this and you we listened to it together. It was really interesting. He He said it was pay to play was almost like a mandatory tax on businesses, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, well, when you have to do it, and there's no other choice but pay to play. Yes. It's not just differentiation then. It's a tax. Yes. It's a tax on small business especially. I don't know what my takeaway there is except to say I think we need to be discussing this more. As marketers, we need to be thoughtful marketers. Correct. I agree with that. Definitely. Think about being thoughtful towards your audience. All right, Craig, our podcast of the week. And this is the Derek Sivers podcast. And this is a little book that you gave me, which I think was a – book that um, we had on one of the previous shows and we had a quote out of it, but you gave it to me and it was really interesting. I read it on the way home on the train and then it was just one of those books where I was like, I actually couldn't put it down. I actually read it through and finished it that night because it was so good. It was so good. I'm just seeing it on the bookshelf there. Yes. It was called Anything You Want, I think. And he, he started CD Baby, didn't he? Yes, he did. And you know what? It's really interesting. His podcast, so he sent an email out the other day. I got it. I was like, oh, cool. I listened to it. His podcasts are every day and they last between one and three minutes. Just a little thought. And so I've just gone through and listened to them all. He's the Seth Godin of podcasting. That's right. But anyway, what I wanted to say was there's some really good things in there and it doesn't take long to listen to it. And I wanted to highlight because here's somebody that has actually, I would actually recommend reading that book firstly when you read the book and then you listen to his podcast, you kind of, it, I think it makes a bit more sense because you can understand where he's coming from as opposed to just listening to that thought and going, oh, really, does this guy have any idea? But I think it's really thought provoking and I loved it. So that's why I want to recommend it on the show. All right. We have the resource of the week, Craig, and this is to do with adaptive testing. Yeah. So look, we're coming up to time. We can't dive into this, but it's a blog post on the HubSpot blog. And really, what you know what tried, it says? A/B testing is dead. <laughs> they've they've basically said uh, adaptive testing, which is really just multivariate testing, yes. with multiple versions of pages. So it's like ABCD testing, exactly. And they call it adaptive testing because there's machine learning involved, right? Well, <laughs> like this is not a new concept, but they're trying to own the term. <laughs> well, there's lots of AI put into multivariate testing and things. They do make some good points in the post. So, so go does. and read it. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And look, if you're a market, I think you've got to understand that this is available. And this is available now in enterprise within your portal if you're an enterprise user. If you're a professional, you're not going to see that. You've still got A-B testing, which is dead. So I'd definitely be using that because I even I think even that is underutilized. But be aware that this is available to you. And, you know, there are people that would be using this, not necessarily on the platform, but using other tools that might actually have it. And I think it's really important to have an understanding of what that is. Do you remember the days when one of the biggest differentiators between Marketing Pro and Marketing Enterprise was, was A-B testing? Was A-B testing. I do. And then remember the day they put A-B testing down into Pro? And we're going, oh, that's great. And well, now they're just telling us A-B testing is dead. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's progress, folks. <laughs> now we're on to adaptive, Craig. Come on. Get with the program. All right, Craig, what's the quote of the week? Oh, actually, I saw this on Twitter from James Clear, and he uh, was making a comment, and then he quoted... Um, now, James Clear wrote a book, right? He did, Atomic Habits. Oh, great book. Really good book about productive, effective productivity, I will, I will say. Anyway, do you want to read uh, the quote? Yeah. Oh, actually, there, there were some his comments leading up to the quote. Yeah, so it says, Needless commitments are more wasteful than needless possessions. Possessions can be ignored, but commitments are a recurring debt that must be paid for with your time and attention. And then he quotes Henry David Thoreau saying, The price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. What can I say, Craig? After hearing the fir- after reading the first two and then hearing that quote, I'm like, wow. What can you say? You can get off Facebook. <laughs> That's what I can say. <laughs> anyway, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this show. We'd love if you could share this podcast with one person that you know that would benefit from it. And also leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That would be fantastic. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time. Catch you later, Ian. See you, Craig. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.